Good morning. Good to see everybody. We have a we've been on an interesting run here lately, so uh, this day I think kind of points to that truth. Uh, God's been moving. He's been on a steady trek for quite a while, and uh, a little over a year ago we were all at Lake City, and uh, I think. At that point, something really, really changed in the spirit for this church. And I actually think for the, uh, for the body of Christ. I think that we changed seasons or uh, a 40-year period. We went from one to another. And uh, so it's been a big change. And things have not been the same. And they are continuing to move. And so today is, is, uh, is a part of that. We, uh, Janine and I started texting Last week about an issue that was going on, and uh, uh, the next thing I know, I mean, she'd she'd text something that I'd respond, and back and forth, back and forth, it went, and to the point where that, hey, this clicks together, and uh, anyway, so she ends up here. Uh, Russ was coming down anyway for some stuff we've got going this week, and uh, and Janine came as well, and so uh, we're going to add hawkish this thing today. And just see what God does, because I do think he's trying to reach us. Uh, for over a year, I believe that uh, every minister that has come here has come with an extra level of anointing. It's just been amazing, really. And uh, that's got to mean something, don't you think? I mean, you can, if you're in the wilderness, I think about this, if you're in the wilderness... Guess what you get today to eat? The very same thing you had yesterday and the day before and for years. Bad. Same thing all the time. Here lately, that's not been that way. It's like fresh stuff coming all over the place. And really, it's things which we've not seen before. So I'm very, I'm excited about what I'm seeing. And uh, if you uh, missed what was brought last week, it was Al Houghton's turn. Man. That was some amazing stuff. It really was. The good thing is it's out there on Facebook Live, and also we record them as well, so uh, we get a better uh, recording than that uh, on Facebook Live. But if you want to listen to those, you should. Because they are, we are literally laying line upon line and precept upon precept about what God is, is about to do. Now, there has been quite a stirring, I think, here lately, and uh, uh, and I'm, I've been trying to determine in myself, well, what is God really saying here? Because uh, I know it's hard to believe looking at me, but I'm really getting kind of old now. And uh, so I've been around long enough to see God move. And he's starting to repeat things, some things, and uh, in the way he does stuff with me. I, and I've, I'm used to it now. And... Uh, what I mean by that is that if God wants me to speak about something to this church, he will visit me with circumstances in my life. Things start happening. And uh, I have no control over them. I usually, uh, I usually don't like them, by the way. And, uh, uh, but they germinate, and then they produce uh, the word of the Lord to you. Uh, the Bible talks about it this way. The high priest that Jesus sits in the place of, is the one who can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Jesus is touched by what you feel. So that when he goes to God the Father, he can go on your behalf and tell Father God how you feel. It touches him, just like it touches you. Same way in the ministry. Things happening out there begins to hit me, and the next thing I know I'm talking about it. So one thing has been coming at me lately, and I've been going, well, God, is this what, you, is, is this what you're doing? Do we look to this plan that we've seen before, or is there something else? And that's what we want to talk about today. What is going on? I do know this. The, the word that has been hanging out there for me for over a month is fear. Not just any fear. Great fear. And so, 
I'm looking at it going, okay, so why and what do we do about it? And is this, what am I supposed to do in, in, in reaction to that? Now, there's always a, a certain amount of trepidation when you move into something new. You know, if, if you're moving to a new job or uh, whatever in life, there is always this sense of, I don't know what's happening and I'm not in control. And so that kind of makes you fearful in a sense. So is that what's going on here? You know, I, I shared a few weeks ago about what the, th- the thing that hit me was my, uh, all of a sudden I got hit with my eyesight uh, with a, an incurable disease which eventually causes blindness. Well, that hit a fear in me that went back to my childhood. To my childhood. And I go, hey, I felt hedged in. Where's Connie? Oh, there you are. So you and I can dance on this deal. I felt closed in on. I mean, I'd wake up at night with this reality. This thing's going to hit me. It's going to go from one eye to the other. And I would end up not be able to see. And I had that fear ever since I was 10. And so I kept thinking about Job. The thing which I greatly feared has come upon me. So I'm going, all right, God, what are you, what are you trying to say here now? I know that when I first started the ministry, it began over the whole issue of entering the promised land, which I think is what we're doing right now. And during that time, you told me to pray for the people for three issues that they need to deal with as they enter what God has promised them in their life. Three areas that he will test you on that you need victory over. Relationships, finances, and in health. And I have been through relationships tests and financial tests like crazy. And here, all of a sudden, I'm hitting a health issue, which literally is the thing which I so greatly fear. Now, I know how God has dealt with me over the other test. And here's how the drill normally goes. He comes, he intercepts my life, didn't even ask permission, he just does it. And the next thing you know, this is your reality, and you can't get out of it. And the first thing you run into, guess what, is fear. You run into fear because you've tasted this nothing burger. It ain't tasted good before. You know what it's like to have relationships, for example, blow up and leave you abandoned. You ever felt that feeling? That's a big feeling in the body of Christ. And so that's how it always goes. He intercepts from your life. He brings this fear, or the fear comes. I can't say God brings it. But here it comes, and next thing you know, you're in it, and then God shows up starts talking to you about it with prophetic words from outside and also unto you, out of your own mouth. He starts speaking to the thing that's before you. And it's, it, all that does is makes it worse. Because now, all of a sudden, you had enough to carry. Now, all of a sudden, you've got to carry the fact that you're supposed to believe in him. That's just not fair. And you've got to add faith and trust. And you're gonna, you ain't got that shot. You know it. And then, all of a sudden, a move of the Spirit comes. And he does exactly what he promised. And you know it was him. It, well, it couldn't have been you. And there's great success and an amazing miracles. And everybody can see that God moved and there was restoration. And I thought, wow, is that going to happen this time? I don't even think it's the issue now. It's bad enough as it is, but I don't think this is the issue. So what I'd like to do today is define what's going on here with fear. Because it is an issue. And we need to know what it is and what it is not. So that we can focus ourselves on what we should do. There are many words in the Bible for fear. And I'm not going to do some exegetical research on all of it. But I will say this about it. When it's there, you know it. And it is very emotional. And when it's emotional, logic has no place there. Right, ladies? Husbands? When it blows, it blows. And uh, husbands, you can't talk her down. It don't work. She don't want your conclusions and you stating the obvious. All she wants is you to be there. 
Hopefully, with, like that lady from Honolulu said, with your mouth shut. I need to meet that woman. Tell her what I think about that one. I do know this. It includes us all. We're all in it. Because I think we're entering into the promised land. And when you find the issue of fear, you will find the issue of giants. Everyone's afraid of a giant. The giants of your life will put fear into you. No doubt about it. It encompasses all of us. So we all have to deal with it together. I know this much. At Lake City last year, we kind of made the point that there's two generations at play here at the same time. The older generation, which we call the rod generation, like Moses' rod, and the younger generation, which we call the sword generation, those that fight the fights. And they need to come together so that we can take this land together. The issue of the giants is primarily led by the older generation. Now, we need you young guys to play because we can't, we can't do this without you. We cannot. But you should learn from us because those giants are going to fight you too. And they are bad. Okay? They're bad. We've got we to gotta bring this thing down. Maybe Franklin Roosevelt had it right. You know, in Pearl Harbor, after Pearl Harbor, and Japanese bombed America, he makes this proclamation as he declares war. And we're declaring war. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Amen? So we're going to take hold of that, that ugly thing, and we're going to put the, put the whoop to it. Look with me to the word that I said came earlier, Job. Did you realize that the oldest book in the Bible is Job? First book written. So I think it's appropriate that we would address the issue of fear. From the oldest book that was written. Now Job was the best man on earth according to God. According to the Bible. Even Satan realized it. And then God allowed Satan to intercept his life. And he hit him in those very three areas that I just told you about. Relationships, finances and health. All of his kids died. He lost all of his wealth. And then the last shot. Satan smote him with boils all over his body. Where he just loathed the very day he was born. He did pretty well with the first two tests. He didn't curse God. He just said, this is the way it is. But with that last test, it began to wear him down. And that's when Job becomes the book that we all love to read or not. But after that last one hit him, he ends it with this statement, verse 25 of chapter 3. The thing that I greatly feared has come upon me. And what I dreaded has happened to me. And so here we are, Job, living our life for us right there. As I said earlier, there's many words in the Bible for fear, and then you see two of them right here. The thing I greatly feared, that's one. And that which I dreaded is another word for fear. It means to fear something with great dread. Let's look at that one first to see where this leads us. Because, see, I think the Bible needs to be our roadmap here for what we're doing. If we find it in the Word and we can follow the trail of the Word as the Spirit gives light to it, we'll know what we should do. Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. So we follow the Word as the Spirit shines on it, and we will know what we should do. So let's follow the Word. The first one we want to follow is the thing I greatly dreaded has happened to me. Well, the word dread, like I said, means it's just, it's just another word for fear. In Job 9, what did, what did Job dread? Look at Job 9. And by the way, when these things are happening to you, these various tests, they will happen to you, by the way. Relationships, finances, and health. You can mark that one on up. It will happen to you. God will perfect you through those tests. And when it begins to happen, you can blame all kinds of things. You can blame your boss. You can blame your spouse. You can blame the devil. And after a while, you begin to realize nobody can do this except one, God. As a matter of fact, look at the bottom of verse 24. 
of chapter 9. If it is not God, who else could it be? Nobody. He can completely surround your life with events that you cannot control. So you might as well just go straight to it. My issue is with God. What did he dread? Verse 28. He said, I am afraid. That's the same word, dread. I dread, I'm afraid of all my sufferings. Sufferings. So there's something hanging out there that he was, you know, he probably didn't even talk about it. Didn't mention it. But it was always there. Like a black cloud. Sufferings. Sufferings. Is this word, otham. And it means physical pain sometimes, but the, the real focus of this is on emotional sorrow where you're sad. You feel wounded and grieved in your spirit. One of the words that it, it, it uses this word in a place where it talks about a woman who has been forsaken is grieved. Opsab. It hits her in a place that nothing else can hit. She's grieved in her spirit. And feels hopeless. Betrayed by life. It's a terrible thing. That's the thing that he dreaded. That thing coming upon him. And it's an awful, awful thing. So God will address this word in life. I want you to look at a couple uh, scriptures with me. Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15. Otsab. Proverbs 15, verse 13 says this. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by the sorrow of the heart, Otsab, sorrow, by the sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. It's that powerful. It literally will break you. Where you don't want to live no more. I think this is probably where a lot of people get their motivation for suicide. They don't see a way out. Why well, live another day like this day? Upset. So that's a terrible thing. Would you agree? Something that God, don't you think God should address this? If it's that bad? And he actually does. He promises that he will. He does that in Psalm 147. Throw there. Psalm 147. The sorrow of the heart. Verse 3 of 147. He heals the brokenhearted. And he binds up their wounds, their sorrows. So he, God addresses it, is what I'm saying. He doesn't leave it alone. He comes there. And i tell you what. My experience in life. When God chooses to come there, fear rises up. Go, oh my God, don't touch that. Do not touch that. How many of us have gotten married more than once? And on the second or the third one, you say, I will do everything you want, but we're not going to fill in the blank. You just define your, your sorrow. The thing which you greatly dread, you can't live with that sucker hanging around. So you warn the other one, don't you dare go there. Guess what I'm seeing a lot of? Not sad with people. Because you know what? I think failure is a real reason for this sometimes. A woman forsaken is a woman who had, had a marriage and it blew up. Does she feel responsible? Does she feel like she's the reason? Yep. So when you go back to where you have failed in life, you don't want to go there again. Because you know. You got whooped there. What makes you think it's going to be different this time? Amen? So he, he's got to do something there. He binds it up. And he will go there. Do you have a part to play? You're going to love the next one. Psalm 139. 
Everybody had a look on their face. I, I waited for this moment. I go, wait till I get to Psalm 139. Rejoice, rejoice. All the black tar and the stuff that's waiting for me. That dang scripture. Psalm 139. Here's my part. And we have been on this, on this trail since 2013. My God. I wanted to be one of those little quickies. Verse 23. Shall we read it again? Search my heart, O God. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any sab in me. Any wicked way. We've been looking at it, I think, maybe a little bit wrongly. I'll take credit for that. As if I created some bad thing in me. Like I'm a bad boy. Go find if I've been a bad boy. Folks, by definition, you are a bad boy. You were born in sin. You were shaped in iniquity. How could you not be a bad boy? Is there a wicked way in you? Well, duh. That is not the point. Have I been wounded? Find it, please. Please find that. Search me, oh God. Go past my defense systems and the walls that I've set up and the traps that I have laid for anybody that will step there. Go there and bind me up. And do what the rest of Psalm 139 said. Lead me back to the way everlasting that you ordained before there was ever a day written. All my days you wrote in your book. And I have left that path that you called for me because of all this sorrow. Bring me back so I can fulfill your call for my life. Heal me, O oh God. Is there ever an end to this? And someone said, no. And if someone's put a word in it, starts with an H, no. Probably not. Until it's over with God. And that will continue. But I'm here to tell you today, we've done pretty well on this issue. We really have. And we've been doing it for five years, almost six now. I don't think that's the focus of the Lord right now, even though that's going on as well. I mean, I could go blind, people. That's an offset for me. I dread that. Wake up at night. Oh, my God. I can't lay here. I got to get up. Been there before? Oh, yeah, I, I thought that side's better. Don't trap me. It comes out of the gut. I mean, it gets down there. But I'm here to tell you, that's a personal issue with me. But there is a corporate issue that's really here at play today. There's something different. I think that's good news, by the way. Well, actually, I know it is. Aren't you glad? Let's all go around that bend again, shall we? Y'all deal with that stuff. Get, get well. No, we want to go past that because I don't think that's where God is. There is a corporate call that he's looking at now. A corporate thing that he's after. And there will be fear there, yes. But our answer to it, I think, might be a little bit different than what we thought. That's good news. And that's how God does work, by the way. He shows line upon line and here a little and there a little. And eventually you find out, oh, this is where we are. I thought we were going over there. He's got to be willing to follow the Spirit wherever He leads you. Here's where He has led this church. And it's through the word of many, by the way. Her, Al, Jill, me, and others. It's been coming at you from all angles, folks. Listen to what God is saying. We have been brought to this place, and I hate to use this trite term, but I'll use it because everybody does, for such a time as this. I mean, I hate to use that because we have overused that. But there is something different 
about now. It really is different. Now all of a sudden, you know what you do matters more to everybody else than you thought it did? You've got to win. You have to. Because if you don't, it's going to affect all of us. It's time to get serious about this. All right. Job mentioned another word. We talked about the dread thing. The sorrow ends with Psalm 139. But the other one he used. And that's the one that first came to me. The thing which I so greatly feared. What is that? <laughs> the dread thing for me was the you know, I thing. But golly. Greatly feared. What is that one? Well, there's another word for fear there. It's called pocket. Pocket. is a very strong word. Its focus is on the... The immediacy of the object that you're fearing. I mean, it's right there in front of you. And it's also upon the resulting trembling that comes. You literally shake. It describes especially the fear of sinners at the judgment of God. Think about it. You do know there is a great day of judgment. You do know that. Everybody knows that, right? We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we will all give an account for what we have done. Even the words that you have spoken. You do know that, right, people? Okay. And you are all Christians. Shall we ask that question? All of, all of you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Okay. Then we're not talking about those people. We're talking to Christians now. So what does this have to do with you? All right, so let's, let's look at what it has to do with you. Look at Isaiah 33. Now what I'm going to do here, we're going to shift now. I hope that you heard Al Houghton last week. If you didn't, I'm going to ask, you know, for your sake, really, that you go listen to it. It's not too late. It's out there on Facebook Live. Go listen to last Sunday, both services. Unbelievable. And what, listen to them all. My God. He laid some heavy stuff out there. Heavy stuff. So we're going to start intertwining things now. Stuff that he got. Stuff that I got. He and I got some stuff together. Stuff that she got. And we got some stuff together. And so we're going to bring all this together. Starting right now. This fear that Job so greatly feared. Potsab. Or whatever it was. My Hebrew is about that long. You know, I can remember it for a Ten seconds, and then it goes. But let's look at it. In Isaiah 33, it's something about the sinners before the judgment. Look at Isaiah 33, verse 10. Look at the caption above it, impending judgment on Zion. Verse 10. Now I will arise, says the Lord. Now I will be exalted. Now I will lift myself up. You shall, the people shall conceive chaff. They shall bring forth stubble. But look at the last line of verse 11. Your breath, and I think really is referring here to the breath of God. There's some debate over that. But I think it makes more sense. The breath of God as fire shall devour. All right, so here's where we start bringing other people in. Hold your place there, if you would. What does that mean to us? Look in Revelation 11. We'll be coming back. Revelation 11. This thing that I brought last Sunday is something that is actually growing and growing and growing in the body of Christ. I'm starting to see old ministers now come out who never talked about this. And now they're talking about this. And uh, they're being very bold about this, by the way. So, you should, you should think about it. 
His message last Sunday was about a Revelation 11. In the period of the tribulation, and by the way, folks, the odds are really, really good that everyone in this place is going to live during that time. You're going to live to see that time. All right? Now, whatever your eschatology is, you know, you're going to get out here before it's arrives or after or whatever. You're going to live to, to that time. And we'll, we'll know. Amen? We'll know what the doctrine really is at that time. You will see this. Now, if I'm wrong, then you can buy me a Cadillac and I'll get out of here. I'm headed to Colorado. <laughs> but I don't think I'm wrong. And I don't, it's just out there. It's kind of out there. So in that time, there is this phenomenon called the two witnesses. Revelation 11 talks about what they do during that seven-year period. All right? So let's just read it really quick. Verse 3, I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. And this is where he really did a lot of word search and came up with the conclusion of who these guys are through the Bible. Verse 4, they are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. Now, his point was, out of all the scriptures he went through, and it'll be on that thing Sunday, those two witnesses are the church of the Gentiles and of the Jews. They are the two olive trees. And they come together. All right? So, when you think about that, that sort of gets more personal. Because I cannot speak of the church of the Gentiles without talking about you. We are the church. Corporately and individually. I can't speak of the church without including you. Amen. Let's don't make this hard. But that's what this, this scripture points toward. There's coming together a time where the, the church will become really, really powerful because they will be his witnesses in the midst of the trouble that ends the ages. Keep reading. Verse 6, if anyone wants to harm them, look at the next line. Fire proceeds out from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in that manner. Now, we're going to stop right there and go back to Isaiah 32. We will say some more about that, not today, but later. Because that's a big deal. Now, in Isaiah 33, go back. What comes out, out of their mouth? Your breath as fire shall devour. So, God is preparing you for that time for warfare. And now, all of a sudden, it's shifted. And, and that's the one big thing I have seen. For 30 years or more, I've been preaching promised land stuff. Kind of green. And I've identified most people in here as either a Hivite, Hittite, Hira, you know, all the Ike brothers that are in the promised land, they're just in you. Uh, we're Stevie Ray as he comes in. Amorites, all rise. You know, we're the Amorites. We're the competitive ones. That LSU bunch of junk. I'm surprised they ever played football ever. Hey, 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 hey. See, I'm getting a rise out of the Amorite. Ah, there we go. See, you can't stand it. So, Amorites, it's in us. So it's like Psalms 139. The last 30 something years we've been focusing on the thing that's in me. The Hittite. The Gergeshite. Parasite. There's seven of them. I'm telling you, 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 you gotta identify that in you. But now, the focus is not gonna be you. It's gonna be people outside the church. And the fire, as they come at the church to persecute the church, we're going to be like a mirror. Whatever they do will be done right back at them. And if they come at us with fire of defamation or whatever, bam, right back at them. It's like the, but James says that the Bible is. It's like a mirror. You look at it and see what kind of, what kind of man you are. They will look at themselves and us and go, bam, whatever they're doing, they're going to get it right back. Are you willing to let that happen? Yes. 
or like Al always mocks you, do you want to turn the other cheek? Do you get the distinction? Things are changing. And fire comes out to conceive, to, to burn the chaff. Now we're going to bring this into the fear that Job so greatly feared. Keep reading Isaiah 33, verse 12. The people shall be like the burnings of lime, like thorns cut up, they shall be burned in the fire. Here, you who are far off, <coughs> what I have done, and you who are near, acknowledge my might. Look at 14. The sinners in Zion are afraid. That's that fear that Job mentioned that I so greatly fear. Sinners standing before the judgment. I didn't read the rest of it. one verse that we read in Job. He says, I, I, I don't like this because I know you're not going to hold me innocent before the judgment. So, but we have Jesus now, thank God. The people of this day who are living in their sin and they don't want to be with Christ, they should fear. The same great fear that grabbed Job. Because they're going to realize they are mere men and they can be snuffed in a moment. Fearfulness. That word there, the next line, fearfulness has seized the hypocrites. That's the word trembling. So we said earlier, the great fear that Job had, it focuses on this thing that happens and the trembling that follows it. So here it comes. It's going to freak everybody out. Jesus said it this way. When he comes back, it's going to be so rough and challenging that men's hearts will fail them for fear and for looking at the things that are coming on this earth. They will tremble and they'll start having heart attacks. That's coming, people. Did y'all understand that? Clear as mud? Okay. As good as it gets right now. Let's keep reading. Who among us shall dwell with this devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? And here's the answer. He who walks righteously and speaks uprightly, he who despises the gain of oppressions, who gestures with his hands refusing bribes, who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed and shuts his eyes from seeing evil, he will dwell on high. His place of defense will be the fortress of rocks. Bread will be given to him. His water will be sure. Your eyes will see the king in his beauty. You will see the land that's very far off. And it keeps going. Now, I've said this before. There is a thread running through the Bible. There is a hope for Christians that in the midst of all this trouble, God will keep you. As a matter of fact, one of the words for fear is in Psalms 91. The fear that flies by night, but it'll not come near you. How can that happen? But God said it will happen. So he's challenging us to trust him. Now then, is that word to you? Should this fear grabbing the sinners and fearfulness and trembling the, the hypocrites, is that to the two witnesses? Not really. They're dispensers of this stuff. They're the ones that will smite the earth and will stop the, the, the crops from producing and stop the rain from coming. Why should they be shaken? They're the ones doing it. I don't think that's for you. Unless you want to be a hypocrite. How many hypocrites we got in here? Let's just, one. Oh, well, we got one. You can fix that right now. Just repent and do the truth. Psalm 139 yourself until you stop. Be real. Alright. Isaiah 2. I think there's a different outcome for those who are serious about the Lord right now. Let me read you a prophecy. I've done it before, but I'm going to do it again. I just kind of wonder if this is what's going on with you. The time has come for the root system of the city of refuge to go deep. 
for a time of testing of their faith to a degree never thought possible. But there is one mitigating issue. Those led by the Spirit will go through the eye of the needle without heartache. Uh, that's the thread I'm talking about. Those who have been led by the Spirit will get through this okay. I want to be that guy. Amen? But you can count on this. The root system, I mean, I saw that, the root system. Hey, I think that he's talking about me. Root system. I think I'm a part of the root. Connie. When you start shaking the roots of all of us, that's heavy stuff, dudes. That's those three tests I was telling you about. Relationships, finances, and health. Get ready and go deep with God. You'll be okay. All right, so Isaiah 2. We're going to see that same word for fear here. It's in verse 2, chapter 2. And this is another one of those sections of Isaiah where he is doing his apocalyptic thing. He's pointing to the end of time in this book, in this section right here. Verse 10. He's telling people, or God is, enter into the rock and hide in the dust from the terror of the Lord and the glory of his majesty. That word terror is this word that Job talked about that I greatly feared. When God stands up to terrorize the earth, he's telling people who live, maybe you should run. The book of Revelation talks about it. They do run. They go into the mountains and try to get inside the mountains and the rocks and say, hide us from Jesus. I don't think that's what he meant for us, though. Hide him? No. I'm supposed to run to him. He loves me. But somebody better hide because he's rising up to issue this fear to the whole earth and the glory of his majesty. Look down at verse 19. It says, they shall, they will go into the holes of the rocks and into the caves of the earth from the terror, the fear of the Lord and the glory of his majesty. Now look at this next line. There's a when here. When does this take place? When he arises to shake the earth mightily. Now I said earlier, that word fear focuses on the, you know, the, the freaking out part of it, but also the, the accompanying section of trembling and shaking from what's going on. God is coming to shake things, and people will tremble. So we have a part in this, because it's going to go across the entire earth. We're in that season. Look over at Hebrews. Hebrews 12. This word has been coming out a lot lately. So we must be close. Because I don't think God would bring up this word until it's time for this word. Because this word has serious ramifications. I mean, my God, this is serious stuff. So why would you bring it up? Just to have something to preach about? You know what I mean? Come on, this is big time stuff right here. Chapter 12 of Hebrews, an amazing chapter. Pick it up, verse 25. See that you do not refuse him, God, who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Then we saw in Isaiah 2 that when the terror of the Lord comes, it happens when he arises to shake the earth mightily. And here it is. He shook the earth the first time during Moses' day when they got the Ten Commandments from Mount Sinai. Isaiah was like 800 years after that. And he's still prophesying of a time God's going to shake the earth. So he wasn't talking about what happened 800 years ago. He was looking forward. And here it is right here. I will do it again. He's going to shake it again. Keep reading. 
Now this, yet once more, 27, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as the things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably. You should underline serve God acceptably and ask yourself the question, am I doing that? Don't. Folks, you can kid a lot of people, and I don't care. But one thing I've always tried to walk in, I don't know who said this, Shakespeare or somebody. Maybe it was uh, one of his plays. To thy own self, be true. To thy own self, be true. Are you, right now, serving God acceptably? No BS. I mean, you can blow smoke up my dress all day long. I don't have one, by the way. But, I mean, really, are you ready to stand before him? And tell him, I'm good. I'm doing exactly what you wanted me to do. I'm, I'm following the call of my life. I'm keeping the commandments the best I can. I mean, I know I'm flesh and I'm going to fall down, but I've got your grace and your mercy. But, you know, I don't try to, to sin. I'm not living a lifestyle of it. Not deliberately. And we all fail and get that. I'm not talking about that part. I'm talking about a lifestyle that you choose. Yeah, it is a hard issue. Do you serve God just for what you get out of God? Or do you love God? Really love God. Serve Him acceptably with reverence and godly fear. There's a godly fear. You respect Him for what He is. And for crying out loud, He gave His Son to die for you. Are you reflecting that? Really? You can get it right right now. Just like, hey guys, at the men's breakfast, what are we supposed to say? I'm sorry. And this time we have been wrong. Correct? Yeah, I am sorry. I, I don't want to do this no more. And I'm going to make changes right now. And live my life acceptably before God. For our God is a consuming fire. All right. Now, when that shaking comes on, this was my question last week. Now I jumped all over it. We, we talked about this scripture in Sunday school. He jumped on it and made it a part of his sermon. That's why I'm saying we're starting to do this number with each other. And he helped me a lot. I think I helped him a little bit. Because I asked the question, well, can I be shaken? All I know is I'm waking up at night going, what the... It seizes me. Is that what he's talking about? No, no, it's not. Don't worry about that issue. He'll take care of that, Connie. He'll take care of that because he loves you. He loves me. He, that part, I'm looking at something a lot bigger than that. All right. But I had to ask the question. I had to go, walk down the progression of steps that you take when you try to figure something out. And the, one of the questions was, am I shaking? Am I being shaken? The shaking's going on, but is it shaking me? And the answer, no. I still will stand up and testify. I believe God will deliver me however He wants to and get glory for Himself. He's always done that. Why should I change? Why should I change? I've watched Him. i got a record of this. And sword generations, you need to hear that from these rod guys. Many of them have that reputation. They know God. They've been there with God. And they can help you when you go to those same tests and you're going there. Amen? So I'm not going to be shaken. The kingdom of God is in me. But we've got this major issue. Most people would be shaken. Look at Moses. Look at verse 21. When the first shaking went on, look what he said. So terrifying was the sight. The first shaking. Get a load of the second shaking. It will be more. So terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. Well, is Moses my example? That was my question. There it is in the Bible. And then here comes out with the word, thank God. Acts 2. Go there. Acts 2. 
on the day that the church was born, to prove that this was God, Peter stands up and quotes a scripture in Joel 2 that had to do with the end of time. Isn't that weird? He quotes Joel 2, which is all about the return of Jesus. To let these guys know that what you're seeing right now is the beginning of that process. It took 2,000 years to get here. He quotes Joel, an end-time prophecy. So what he said, if he's going to bring Joel into this picture, you can count on this. It's still in the picture of the end time. So what must we look for there? It's in one verse. Verse 25. He says this. David says concerning Christ, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he is at my right hand. Who's right by my right hand? God is right beside me that I may not be shaken. The shaking is coming. Our example is not what happened to Moses. He, he, didn't have, he didn't have the Lord in him. Jesus wasn't living in him, but he's living in you. The kingdom of God is in you. It cannot be shaken. So you look at the example that he gives us. David said it. Well, he's the example of the bridegroom, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. So now we're going to focus on something different later. But I'm going to look at what David says. I got God by my right side. Do you? That's the question. Do you? You can get there if you if you don't know that that literally you're standing at His side. There's a place there. I've seen it. Not everybody goes there, but you can. You're being called to it. And if you go there, you can say what David said. I will not be shaken when the shaking comes. Amen? So what must we do? Well, we don't fear what's coming. Amen? We don't do that. The world will. But the call to the church right now is to not let that take you down. You've got to get your focus off Fox News. And focus on the one that matters. God matters. Jesus matters. He's coming again. Focus on that. There's one thing that we need to do is we need to hear the word of the prophets. Get ready, prophet. Deuteronomy 31. Turn there. Now, this is one of the ways that I knew that God was directing our steps. Deuteronomy 31. The reason that this really got me was because it's actually an, uh, uh, a repeat, or the first time it was said, it was said again in Joshua 1. And that scripture was quoted to me. It was my life word given to me by a prophet named Ivan Tate. My life word. Well, that ought to cut through stuff and nail the point. Here we are. Finally. What he told me I would do at the beginning of my ministry, which is like Joshua, lead them into the promised land. So the very first thing he says in verse 6, this is Moses telling Joshua, verse 6, be strong and of good courage. No, yeah. Do not fear, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Miss prophet lady. This is your part. So this is where Janine and I just went boing. God was speaking to her about say it. Courage. Is that the next verse? Same verse. Be strong and of good courage. So there's an antidote here. To what it would want to grab hold of your life and control you. Here's your answer, lady. <laughs> I was wondering how he's going to wind around to me. Um, Holy Spirit gives me words. And um, we went through trust. He gave me courage. So I started studying courage. 
and um, I started walking in, I found a lot of fear in myself that I didn't realize that I, I kind of knew that I had. Russ knew that I had it. You know, husbands know things about their wives. Um, and Russ knew that I had it. And when we moved, I found myself in a lot of fear. And, um, and it just came out. My father was very fearful. He was a very fearful man. So I came by it very organically because we were taught, instead of being taught the leading of the Lord, we were taught fear. And my dad would teach me that, well, this is the leading of the Lord. No, that's fear. There's a huge difference. And um, so he started talking to God started talking to me about courage. And if you go to, um, he took you to Deuteronomy 31. Um, Moses is saying this to the people. Deuteronomy 31, 6, he's saying it to the people. He's saying, you be strong and have a good courage. Moses knew that his time was coming to an end. So he, um, he was winding down. He was telling the people, you be strong and have a good courage. That word strong means to strengthen, to be resolute, to be rigid. You be rigid, you be strong, you be resolute. And that word courage means to be brave and secure and solid. God's calling you to be brave and solid, resolute. Mm-hmm. You're not changing your mind. You're not changing your posture. We're standing here and that's it. Boy, that's something we need, isn't it? We need a good dose of courage. Mm-hmm. Because what we're facing is enormous. What we're facing is enormous. Um, and then Moses, when you look farther down, Moses is saying this to Joshua in front of the people. He's saying, he looks to Joshua and he tells him, in the sight of all Israel, he says, Joshua, you be strong and you be courageous. He always combines the two, strong and courageous. Mm-hmm. God's looking at you saying, you be strong and courageous, Patrick. You be strong and courageous. Because you, you can't be strong and courageous and have fear. It doesn't go. It doesn't go together. You have to be strong and courageous. When I think of strong and courageous, Mike, I think of the military. I do. I just think of the military. And um, I think of the, the, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier is what mm-hmm. hits me. Because those men... I think are strong and courageous. Have you seen them when they're in the middle of a snowstorm and, and, and all that? And those men are just walking that, you know, walking the tomb of the unknown soldier. Gets me every time, Mike. Gets me every time. One guy gets stabbed. Wasn't it one guy got stabbed in the foot and he just kept walking? Never flinched. We need to be just as dedicated to that. To our post. Do you know that we're not? I really, there's some posts I like to have. Other post guide gives me, I wish he'd choose somebody else. <laughs> if we're just going to be honest. Sometimes God requires something of you that um, you don't want to do. It's just easier. Let me just tell you, sword generation, just do it. Just do it. If you look farther in Deuteronomy 31.6, I'm going to read it to you because Larry's giving you a lot of scripture that's really good. So I'm just going to read it to you. And Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him in the sight of all Israel, which we're going to do tonight. So you want to be here tonight. We're going to minister courage tonight. Be strong and have a good courage. For thou must go with these people into the land which the Lord has sworn unto their fathers to give them. And thou shalt cause them to inherit it. So sword generation, you can't take it without us. Nanner, nanner, boo, boo. You can't take it without us. Because let me tell you, your generation would storm hell with a garden hose. And when you do, the staff generation, we're standing back and watching. I'm just telling you, because you haven't asked. How do I hit this? What's the point of entry? What's my point of entry? How do I go about striking this? We have wisdom to tell you how to fight that to where it won't kill you. Because we've gone through burying some of our people. Because they hit it the wrong way, Pam. Mm -hmm. And God took them out. Or they took themselves out. We have stories about that. Do you know why Moses was telling Joshua to be strong and courageous? This just gets me. Because he buried the people. Oh, wow. Okay. I was getting ready and God said, do you know why Moses was telling Joshua to be strong? Well, I just thought it was really good. He said, he buried these people. He went to their, these people had babies. Joshua had, you know, watched the babies being born. He went to their kids' soccer games. You know what I'm saying? He went to dinner with them. 
And because they refused to be courageous, because they refused to enter the promised land, Joshua buried them, Stevie Ray. You want to talk about facing a fear? You want to talk about a shaking? Wow. And Moses is standing in front of Joshua and saying, you be strong and courageous. I haven't been through nearly nothing like that. (laughs) You know? That's what God's saying to you. You be strong and courageous. And sword generation, you've got all the strength, but we have the wisdom. And you can't take the promised land without us. Because we have the wisdom to show you what to do and where to go. So that when you storm the gates, you get it. Instead of it consuming you. So we're going to talk tonight about um, the New Testament portion of courage. And then we're going to minister courage to you. It's going to be a time of courage. A time of facing fear. God's going to speak to a lot of your deep fears tonight. You don't have to be scared. I'm one of the safest people. You really don't have to be scared. My husband laughed. Did you hear him laugh? <laughs> He's married to her. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, like, don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> he just told everybody to be very afraid. That's really bad. Be courageous. Be courageous. I, I, really, seriously, be courageous. I'm, I'm excited because um, what I'm excited about is some of the stuff I've been praying over for you a long time. And God has finally said, now's the season. Let's, let's, let's deal with the fear. Let's deal with this. Now's the season. So I'm excited. I want you to come. Um, so I'm sitting at work one day, and I'm, I'm working a temp job. And um, so I'm just the decoration in the office, kind of. I, um, you didn't have to laugh Are you a bobblehead? I kind of am. I'm a bobblehead. You know, Kim, you didn't need to laugh nearly that long, that loud. But um, So I'm the decoration in the office. And so I was sitting at my desk, and, um, and the Holy Spirit said, didn't your roommate in college... Um, didn't she sign? She, uh, yeah, she did sign. Um, she signs now. I mean, she does this for a living. She does sign language and she interprets for the deaf and, and she's amazing at it. And he said, hmm. <laughs> and my husband does that. He goes, hmm. Um, and he said, don't you think you should contact her and ask her what the sign for courage is? Hmm. In a thousand years, Lindsay never thought about it. I haven't thought about sign anything. I mean, nothing. And so I contacted her. Oh, this is really good. This is, gonna, this is really good, y'all. Um, and so I contacted her, and so she gave me the sign for courage. And so this is your sign for this coming year. And let me tell you, when I go in the bathroom at work, I do this to myself in the mirror. I look at myself in the mirror, and I do this sign. Holy Spirit hits me every time. Wow. Every time I look at myself in the mirror and do this sign so I see myself do this, Holy Spirit hits me. So I know that it's going to hit you, and I'm all excited. Because he's giving you a tool. Mm -hmm. He's giving you a tool, Connie. So when no one else is around, when it's dark at night, you do this. No, not that. Because Kim was like, no, no, don't do that. Okay, here, hold this. I'll hold this so courage, courage. There's a, the, the sign for courage is to, to cup your hands and do this. Mm-hmm. It comes out. You, you cup your hands and you pull it out like this. And it's an, it's an L with your elbows. You go, courage. Wow. Did you feel it? Yeah, courage. Didn't you feel it? I need you to nod. Didn't you feel it, Kim? Courage, Lindsay. Mm-mm. You, no, you, don't, you just cup your hand. You go like, you, it's not flat. You cup your hands like this and you pull it out. Courage. There's an English saying that says to grab, it says you take your courage by, with both hands. Amen. Courage. Do you know what this also means? Healed. Really? It's the same sign. Oh, wow. I want to do that today. It's the same sign. Healed. Courage. Do you feel the spirit in it? Sometimes you're going to need to go in the bathroom and you're going to need to look at yourself in the mirror and you're going to have to talk to yourself and you're going to say, Patrick, courage. Mm-hmm. Healed. 
Because God gives us, God gives us signs. He gives us things to do so that we speak life into ourselves. When you can't call somebody, when you can't text somebody, when you're by yourself in the middle of an oil field or when you're by yourself in the middle of something, you're going to have to self-talk yourself into a place of courage. So you're going to have to go, courage, healed. Because the enemy wants to convince you that you're not ever going to be healed. You're not ever going to be whole. This thing is always going to be in front of you. Courage. Healed. That's what God's called you to. A place of courage and a place of healing. And let me tell you that you can't press somebody into a place of healing. They, God has to lead them into that place. As much as I've joked around putting my foot on somebody's fanny to get them there, you really can't. No. You, it has to be a work of the Holy That's Spirit. True. That's true. So it's a very personal word, you know, the words of Joshua to each one of those people. You know, I can, we need to preach that word, mm-hmm. but it's up to you. Mm-hmm. But we can help you do that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Tonight at 6? Are we ready? Yeah. Tonight at 6, and uh, it's like Lake City 2.0, okay? So let's all stand. I need the staff, too. Whoever has the staff. I got it. Okay. I'll bring it. like that. Father, I just pray for these people. This word is unto them. I ask you to seal it with the Holy Spirit, Lord. Make it alive in their hearts. Remind them of the things that you're saying to each one of them individually. And let them proceed forward from here. We thank you for your word. And we just receive it with joy. In the name of Jesus, amen.